Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As uh, we welcome you along to the programme, just the latest in from the uh, Gardaí on that accident uh, this morning. And unfortunately, it's a it's a fatal single vehicle road traffic collision. It occurred at uh, Gert. Na Gert Nalahi. It's uh, in Carrick Navarre. The driver and the sole occupant of the uh, car involved as a man in his 20s. And um, God help him, he was pronounced dead at the scene. And we think of his family today getting that devastating uh, news. Because of that, the road remains closed. Technical examination is going on at the moment. So obviously, local diversions are in place. But Gardaí are appealing for any witnesses to the collision to please uh, come uh, forward. In particular, anyone who may have had dash cam footage that we're driving in the area this morning between 6.35am and 6.55am. So the early morning commuters, people going out and about uh, to work, please make that footage available to the Gardaí. But as they say, we're thinking of the family of that young man who passed away this morning. Uh, May he rest in uh, peace. Now, Jack in Blackpool has been on to us and he feels that a suggestion that has been mooted to cut social welfare payments of people who took part in last Thursday's riots, he thinks that suggestion is an over-the-top reaction. And the reason for it, he said, it'll fall on the families. They are the ones who will suffer the most because they'll have to provide for those people. And he says, in the main, if you were looking at any of the video footage, a lot of them were young men. He said many of those young men uh, will be living at home with their parents so if you take away their social welfare uh, because they got involved in the riots it's the parents who will be the ones who will suffer uh, the most. Now where that suggestion is actually coming from it was at last night's Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting a number of Fine Gael ministers called for the toughest sentences for anyone that's proven to have taken an active role in the violence that erupted in Dublin and of course it all erupted following the stabbing of those young children and the crash worker outside a city centre school around lunchtime on uh, Friday on Thursday Ministers insisted that there should be no suspended sentence offered to anyone that was involved in looting of businesses, anyone who was involved in setting fire to public transport or to guard the cars. And the junior minister, Patrick O'Donovan, he says that those involved in the riots should be punished 
financially. And he is the one that's suggesting if you're going to punish them financially, many of them are on social welfare payments. They're not working. So he says that's the case. Then stop their social uh, welfare uh, and do that as punishment for taking part in the attack on the capital. Patrick O'Donovan questioned whether any of the rioters worked and said most of them were in their bed while the rest of the country were up working and paying taxes just to fund their lifestyle. So he's really, really annoyed about it. Now, he was also supported by the junior uh, minister, Neil Richmond, and also Jennifer O'Carroll McNeil in calls for proper punitive measures to be brought against those who were involved in the rioting. And Fine Gael TD Joe O'Reilly said the Special Criminal Court should be used to bring the rioters to trial for taking uh, part. There was also calls from a Kerry TD Brendan Griffin and our own Cork-based Senator Tim Lombard to rein in the Garda Ombudsman. So very, very uh, harsh words coming from a number of Fine Gael ministers and uh, backbenchers yesterday, last evening at that meeting. But how do you feel? Jack thinks it's an over-the-top reaction that if... And, and we assume because so many of them, when the, of the was a 34 were before the courts at the following day, the majority of them were given free legal aid. There was only one guy I heard who worked and um, the judge wanted to see his means because I think he was earning €30,000 uh, a year and he wanted a statement of his means before he would issue him with um, free legal aid. But all the rest of them seem to have got free legal aid, which would lead you to believe that they are all on some kind of social welfare. So... Um, would you be with Jack in thinking that that's an over-the-top reaction and by punishing them, by taking away their social welfare payments, it's the families are the ones who are suffering? Or would you be with the likes of the junior minister, Patrick O'Donovan, who says they need to be punished uh, financially and have their welfare stopped for taking part in the riots? And I'm wondering, would it act as a deterrent if word went out when if you get involved in something like this and you are on a social welfare payment, you could ultimately risk losing it? Now, I don't know if the judges would be able to do that or not. But your thoughts welcomed 0818-103-103. And of course, just so much discussion still going on uh, about the riots. And of course, yesterday was the first opportunity for all of those in the Dáil to have their say uh, on it. And we know that the Justice Minister... Um, Helen McEntee under a lot of pressure from the opposition parties and there's been calls uh, that she should resign and that she's not a strong enough uh, Justice Minister but yesterday uh, during a session of statements on policing protest and public order Helen McEntee said that she wanted to assure that order has been restored and that it is being maintained and she says that a strong and visible guard the presence now including four public order teams will remain in place in Dublin city centre up to and during the Christmas period. The Minister said she's asked the policing authority to look at further support from Garda Siakona and that particular is something we discussed yesterday. It's in terms of equipment and guidance on the appropriate use of force because many Gardaí are terrified to use force because if they use force they're going to be have to face uh, GSOC and all of the implications of that so they need to know when is it appropriate to use force. Force being things like pepper spray or pulling out a baton. Um, Helen McEntee say, says, I do not want any member from Garda Siakona looking over their shoulder, unsure as to what type of level of force they can use, particularly when they're responding to this type of very difficult uh, scenarios. She said the heads of the bill for the use of facial recognition 
technology that is now going to be put before the government prior to Christmas. That was expected not to be before the doll until next year, but she's really, really pushing for the facial recognition uh, technology. And I know there's a big push as well for the body cams for all the Gardaí, for the Gardaí to have uh, body cams. 0818103103. Uh, we welcome your thoughts. Would you now feel safer if you were to go to uh, Dublin City because of the public order teams that are going to be uh, in place? And particularly welcome your thoughts on if any of the young people that were involved in the rioting, if any of them are on job seekers uh, allowance, claiming some kind of a social welfare uh, benefit, should they be punished financially and should their benefits be taken away from them? Thanks to Dan in Charleville saying a new version of the old hello dad text or hello ma'am uh, text. Dan sent it on to us. He said, I haven't seen this particular one before and this is, hi dad, I've changed my provider. The usual one is I lost my phone or I broke my phone. This is, hi dad, I've changed my provider temporarily using this number till I get my old one back. Use the link to send me a message and as usual they always try to encourage you to go through WhatsApp. It's got scam written all over it and I, and, <laughs> and I take umbrage to the fact that they go hi dad and they spell dad with a small d. Dad comes with a capital D. Can somebody tell the scammers that? Now on the dole and this Suggestion that came out from the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party last last night calling for tougher sentences for anyone that was involved in vi- violence and anyone was involved in the riots the last Thursday or would subsequently get involved in activities like that. One suggestion from the Junior Minister Patrick O'Donovan is we should punish them financially and if they are on social welfare and it is looking like many of them were, their social welfare should be stopped for taking part in the attack on the capital. Eddie and Mahan says people have to live at the end of the day. If you take money away from these young uh, guys, it will only raise the criminal aspect as they need to get money somewhere to live. I feel they would retaliate if the government did something like this. I would be in favour of deducting some money from their weekly social welfare allowance, but don't cut them all off completely. Uh, WhatsApper says, reopen Spike Island and lock every one of them away for a very, very long time. Is jail the answer? Frank in Inna Shannon says, those people that were involved in riots are in the looting of shops, won't care if the government decide to end their social welfare payment or not. They just keep pushing their way through. Every time they turn up in court, they just get free legal aid. They seem to be the winners all of uh, the time. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul continuing to take your calls. A reminder that we are continuing every day this week in a lovely competition that we have with the Everyman in Cork, the Everyman's favourite traditional family panto returning this year Beauty and the Beast and it opens actually this Saturday the 2nd of December and to celebrate the Everyman have teamed up with the Leisureplex to give you a fun festive family day out. You can win a family pass on the programme today family passes for four people to go see Beauty and the Beast at the Everyman on Saturday week the 9th of December plus we're also giving you a family pass for four to go bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street. If you'd like to find out more about tickets to the Panto this year you can go to everymancork.com for further details. Now yesterday we had a huge reaction from Karen, one of our listeners who had contacted us because she's concerned about her husband going to his Christmas office party which is outside of Cork this year so it includes an overnight stay. Karen's concerns stem 
Byrne from what she heard happened at last year's office party, which was described by another colleague of her husband's as a wild night with young female colleagues flirting outrageously with many of the older married men. So to offer advice on the ground rules for this year's Christmas parties, I'm joined by James Potts, who's CEO of Peninsula Ireland, uh, which is, of course, a HR support uh, service. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, even though everyone is out of the office, out of the place at work, is an employer still responsible for what happens at at the party? Is it basically an extension of the workplace? It absolutely is. Uh, The Christmas party, a work-related event, is still an extension of the workplace So the employer's responsibility to manage that event, manage the behaviour of the employees at the work-related event. Christmas party is absolutely key to making sure that they don't have to deal with the repercussions and any fallout of what can potentially be HR nightmares for employers to deal with. And many companies will offer free drinks. I mean, some will go so far as to offer a free bar. Can too much alcohol, can some of that lead to, you know, this inappropriate behaviour that can happen at a Christmas party? Uh, Absolutely. And HR often gets accused of being the fun police. And HR advice shouldn't preclude people from having fun. The Christmas party is a fantastic way to celebrate success and achievements over the course of the year. But our advice to employers would be to try and act in moderation and essentially try and break down your responsibilities between your obligations before the events to setting the right expectations in terms of behaviour and communications and the policies and procedures that you have, reiterating those before the event, then managing the expectations throughout the course of the event as well, and then dealing with the events or, or any repercussions after the event has concluded. So, so are you suggesting that employers need to remind their staff what, like, what's deemed inappropriate behaviour, even though they're not going to be at work, they're going to be you know, in a hotel, in a restaurant, uh, nightclub, wherever it is, they should be reminding their staff? Absolutely. That would definitely be our best practice advice. We would encourage employers to reiterate the policies that they have. There's some um, key examples that we have to deal with where we're giving advice about drunken behaviour ranging through to serious allegations of harassment. It's really important that employers set the level of expectations before the event, making sure that all their employees are clear that if they do misbehave, there's potential disciplinary action as a consequence of that. And we know that some businesses might decide to you know, bring in caterers, bring in a bar and do an in-house uh, Christmas party if they have the space for it. We're back there to health and safety, though, aren't we? Concerns making sure that it is safe. You know, you're transferring an office space into a social area. Absolutely. The health and safety obligations that an employer would have in that particular scenario would include making sure that there's a limitation on risks in terms of trips and falls. Obviously, hospitality venues would be um, more familiar with dealing with those types of risks. So if employers are converting their workplace into a social setting, a, a risk assessment and undertaking an evaluation of the risk before proceeding with that event would be absolutely key. Social media can be fun, but there's always the risk, isn't there, that some people mightn't want their image shared. If I'm there taking you know, lots of pictures and you mightn't want to be put up on social media. So is there rules of engagement around that? Correct. Correct. Uh, 
it, it, it's important that employers set out their expectations in respect of social media, not just in relation to the Christmas party or a work-related event, but the use of social media generally. As you say, some employees might want more privacy than others, and they might not want their pictures or their, uh, their images being posted online. So a really clear social media policy and a re- reiteration of that before the Christmas party or any work-related event would be really key. And that's the way that we would advise employers to, to proceed with any, any types of Christmas events coming up. Yeah, and I suppose managers or senior staff, you know, interacting with staff members on the night, you've got to be careful about what you can, what you should and shouldn't be talking about. I mean, I've been at events over the years where rows have nearly broken out because, you know, somebody who had a grudge at work decides with a few drinks in them, oh, I'll take on the manager. That isn't the time or the place or looking for a pay rise. The Christmas party is not the time or the place for any of that. Correct. And we, we would all, always encourage employers to designate someone in a senior leadership position to stay sober or act as a responsible person to make sure that the behaviour throughout the course of the event can be properly managed. Managers would still have responsibility for any direct line reports they have, making sure that their behaviour, both at the Christmas event, during the course of the working day, because the Christmas party is an extension of the workplace, it's, it's, it's really key to set the level of expectation and make sure that any behavioural standards are still met. Okay, listen wants to know, does your employer have an obligation to make sure you get home safely after the event? N- not necessarily, no, but en- encouraging and em- uh, making plans um, for employees to get home safely would be, again, best practice advice, making sure that employees are not left alone uh, at the end of the event, forward planning in respect of transportation uh, would again be our best practice advice to make sure that when the event comes to an end that all the employees get home safely. And what and what's your um, advice James around working the next day if, if you know some people have to go into work the next day and if they're overindulging at the Christmas party and then fail to show up I mean that, that, that needs that's something that needs to be talked about in advance. Correct and, and, and again that's why it's key to set the level of expectations before the event and making sure employees know that there might be a degree of flexibility in terms of working hours. Perhaps the lateness policy might be relaxed in the event that it's a, a, a late night before the next working day. But employees need to be informed beforehand that absence related to a work-related event won't be tolerated in the same way as other absences, and they will be appropriately managed in exactly the same way as they would be uh, regardless of whether the Christmas party happened the night before. Okay, and, and another one um, I saw, I think it was in, in literature from from your own uh, company, uh, Peninsula. Uh, don't pressurise people. Not everybody wants to go to a Christmas party. Absolutely. Um, and being inclusive as well, making sure that there are options available for any anyone you mentioned about indulgence with alcohol, anybody who doesn't drink, mm-hmm. you know, making the event feel inclusive. Um, the options in relation to food choices and making sure people don't feel under pressure to attend is absolutely key to making sure that the event goes without any hiccups. And has there been cases over the years of employees who, who took an action because something that happened at a work-related social event? There has, and the, the Labour Court, there is um, Labour Court authority to, to confirm the connection between the work-related event and the workplace. So there's been cases in the past where things have happened 
employees might have argued that it was a social setting or that there was a disconnection with work. The Labour Court found against that particular defence. So employers are under an obligation to implement reasonable steps to prevent any misconduct and associated uh, poor behaviour. And the extension of the workplace runs into any work-related event or in particular the Christmas party. So it's key for employers to set their expectations and manage their duties accordingly. Okay, I don't know if you have a view on this uh, or not, but a question for James. Jim wants to know, uh, what about uh, when gifts are dropped into a into a company from some of the uh, clients. Uh, Jim says what's happened, I'm assuming, where he has worked is one person has taken the lot when they should be shared or raffled out. Do companies need to have a policy on gifts that are given in to a company? They should definitely have a policy in relation to gifts and they should be recorded on a register to ensure that there is full transparency and no potential allegations in relation to bi- bribery or favouritism in relation to, to those particular issues. So it's key to set out the, the employer's responsibility and their policy in relation to that. OK, Kathleen said she was so glad to hear you mention social media. Kathleen says, I'm near retirement age, but younger staff members uh, were taking photographs at our Christmas party a few days ago. I was talking to somebody in the supermarket who said, oh, I saw you up on Facebook enjoying yourself. Who was that young fella you were with? What does your husband think? Taking the photographs were fine, but I hated them going up on uh, Facebook. Um, I, I have to say there were other people at work who were happy with photographs, but not everybody wanted them shared. Should our company have a policy around social media for work dues like that? Absolutely. We would always encourage employers to set a really clear social media policy, making sure that the expectations in relation to taking any photographs or posting them online, um, whether that's with or without consent, is clearly set out and documented so that all the employees are clear as to the level of expectations um, and making sure that that is appropriately managed. And then if anybody acts in breach of that, then there is then the opportunity to reference that document in respect of any subsequent procedures that the employer has to uh, follow through on. Okay, but the main thing is, it's Christmas, enjoy it. (laughs) We want everyone to have an enjoyable time, but just employers need to have an awareness. 100%. The the last thing we want to do is uh, be accused of being the fun police. We want to make sure that all the events are managed appropriately. We don't want to deal with the repercussions of those events. Uh, if behaviour slips into a, a standard that employers have to then take action on. But making sure that the expectations are set beforehand, then during the course of the event, making, making sure people get home safely is all key to making sure it's managed successfully and it goes without hiccups. OK, listen, James, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Have a great Christmas yourself and uh, thanks uh, for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, James Potts and uh, James is the CEO of uh, Peninsula Ireland. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Somebody says, Patricia, not a lot of trust in that marriage if that woman who contacted you yesterday is worried about her husband attending an overnight Christmas party. They need to work on trust issues. Thanks for your text. Four County Council has reapplied to Transport Infrastructure Ireland for funding to an enable it to lodge a planning application for the Mallow Bypass to talk about this long, long overdue road. I'm joined by Councillor Pat Hayes, a Fianna Fáil councillor in the Mallow area. Good morning to you, Pat. 
Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Good and, morning, listeners. And you're, you're welcome. I suppose, remind us first why money was withheld. It was about a year ago, wasn't it, to, to progress the bypass? Yeah, it was actually this year, uh, Patricia, when um, we were expecting 1.4 million, which had been allocated uh, by, the, by the government for, for the Northern Relief Road for Mallow. And then Minister Ryan issued, a, I think, for the Section 24 letter, uh, which uh, removed 1.1 or 1.3 million from that, and he he allocated uh, just 100,000 for for the project to continue. The project was at a very advanced stage, and um, a lot of the groundwork had been done. The planners were ready to submit this year. If we had got the 1.3 million, uh, the additional 1.3 million, we were ready to submit for planning. Uh, and we would be on track uh, for for for, for um, it would have been large with on board Canala, and uh, we would have been on track to, to, to complete the road. Unfortunately, with a delay now of this year, so we've lost the year, and uh, which means that the, the obviously, uh, depending if our submission for funding next year is successful, which which I really have my doubts because. You know what's there to change his mind. Uh, and okay, do do you know or have any understanding of why he did what he did earlier this year? Uh, my understanding is that he, I, I genuinely feel that he's not interested in uh, developing roads, and and it's very strange for a minister for transport. He's very much interested in greenways and walkways and, and cycleways. But we need a, a bypass around Mallow. And yeah. we've emphasised this, and my colleagues, we've continuously emphasised this with him. And he just seems to put a, just turn a blind eye to it. And we all want greenways, we all want cycle paths. But Mallow is clogged, you know, we have heavy traffic going down the main street. We've pedestrians who are at risk on a daily basis. I walk up to town most days, and I can see people taking their lives into their hands, trying to cross the street with articulated trucks coming down the main street. It's appalling that he's, it's on his hands if there's a bad accident in Mallow Town, it's because he would not give us that 1.3 million which Mallow really, really needs. Yeah, as you say, cycleways, walkways are, are great, but cycleways and walkways are not going to take any of the heavy traffic uh, off the uh, main street. Um, and is the Mallow by, by, bypass, I'm right in saying it's in the National Development Plan, isn't it? It is in the National Development Plan, and um, it's 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 so strange that um, it can be just you know taken off the agenda like that. We've had a number of meetings with different ministers. We've had, um, unfortunately, Minister Ryan, who was who was in Cork recently, he was opening um, a bridge, a footbridge down in down in Cork, and and he he refused to meet with us. And and um, I mean that's 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 terrible. As, as county councillors, we're, we're trying to do our best, you know, for, for our, our constituents locally, and he refuses to, to, to meet with us. And, and, the, and the fear is that he'll intervene again. Is, is, is that the fear, is, fear you and other councillors have? Absolutely. I, I, I can't see why what's there to change, you know, um, there's nothing, nothing has happened uh, that, that will change his mind. Uh, so I'm very fearful that um, next year that he will he will absolutely pull the same stroke and refuse to issue uh, the money which we require. And it's very... I raised it at our budget meeting on Monday in, in, in County Hall and I said, look, could Cork County Council allocate the 1.3 million that we're short 
and maybe pick it up at a, a later date mm. from, you know, from government. But unfortunately, due to budgetary constraints and, you know, I think there's protocol, they said that it's, it's unlikely that they would be able to do that. Um, yeah. It's very unfortunate. It, it, it's really leaving us. And, and in order for, you know, North Cork and the town to develop, um, we, we do need the bypass. And, and it's, it's, it's very... And it does tie in with climate action, you know, removing uh, all the, the various traffic from town centres. You can, you can look at pedestrianisation. You can look at, you know, opening up the town a bit more. And, and it really does play into the green agenda. So yeah, because, o- because yeah. only last, uh, I mean, anyone who lives in Mallow where, will know what the traffic congestion is like, particularly on, on the main street. And only last Friday, I ended up spending a full hour in the car getting from one side of the town over and back uh, home uh, again. And it struck me as I was sitting in traffic going nowhere, all of the fumes and all of yeah. the carbon monoxide and the diesel and the petrol that was being burnt while all of us were sitting very frustrated in traffic. And you could see and sense the frustration from other motorists. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're a businessman. I mean, businesses have got to be affected. There's got to be people who decide, I'm not going to go anywhere near the town of Mallow. Yeah, no, it has, it has affected business in a, in a major way. We, Mallow was, was, it was really, it was the biggest town in County Cork and it was, it was the centre really of, of, of commercial life in North Cork. You know, all the surrounding villages and towns would have shopped in Mallow. As a result of the heavy traffic and, and all that, it has really, people have find it easier probably to go to Blackpool, they might go to their local uh, village or town but they certainly, uh, it, it, they're not coming to Mallow. Uh, we, um, thankfully, didn't increase the rates in, 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 in the budget this year. But I can see how difficult it is. As, as a business person, you know, you, you pay your rates, you, you pay everything else, you, you, you keep people employed and people are happy. And, and, and But we're not getting any assistance from Minister Ryan. And, and this is the appalling thing about it. It's not a lot of money. It's 1.3 million. If you look at the overall budget, I think our budget in Carcon was just under 400 million. It's like 1.3 million in the overall context of the national budget. It's tiny. It's tiny. It's, uh, it, it's it's tiny. It really is tiny. And, and asking, I think, the people of Mallow to wait for the M20 motorway, I mean, that simply is, is it's just yeah. not acceptable. It's not, and it's a fear I have, Patricia, that um, because he, if he delays this now again for another year, there, there is a, I, I have a feeling that maybe he'll say, oh, sure, look, we'll wait for the um, M20 and we'll do it with the M20. And that would be a total disaster. I mean, if he goes down that line, that would really... Um, so I, I think our only hope is that we get a change, um, a change of, of minister uh, in... in, in sooner rather than later um, and, 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 and get the money required. It, everything is in place. My, the other problem we have, Patricia, is that all the environmental reports, all the reports that have been done, we say 2021, 20, 22, there's a time limit on those. So it's usually about three years. So if we extend it beyond 24, we have to start again. Go back to the drawing we board again. Uh-huh. We have to go back to the environmental reports, back to the uh, all those reports. So it, it would be awful if he if he allows that to happen. So awful. the council now, uh, Pat, you've reapplied to the TII. When do you expect to hear back? We're, we, 
Um, we won't know. Um, we won't know until until early early in the new year, Patricia. Yeah. So a full a full year really will have been lost. A full year, a full year has been lost. Um, the 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 hundred thousand that was allocated, you know, wouldn't really. It was only just catching up on previous work done. So um, we've lost the year, which means if if you know if we did go ahead in twenty twenty four, you could be looking at completion. You know, with optimism, you could be saying around twenty twenty six. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 a project that could be completed quite quickly, um, but um, we we just need to get this 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 funding, unfortunately. Yeah, and one that is so so badly uh, uh, needed. By the yeah. way, we we mentioned the M twenty. Were you happy with the progress update, the report on that this week? Yeah, very. Um, I I did ask the question. Uh, which they couldn't confirm. Um, is it a motorway or is it a dual carriageway? Um, I was told that the, the width of the road, the design of the road, um, everything is the same for a dual carriageway or a motorway, but it's up to some legal... They have to work out legally what they're going to call it. So it'll either be blue or green. Hopefully it'll be blue and uh, a motorway. But the, the roads are exactly the same. There's no difference in the structure, the size, the weight. It's just a question of working out the legalities. Okay. All right. Some uh, commentary in Councillor Declan Harley in West Cork says, Patricia, I'm listening to the frustration in the voice of Councillor Pat Hayes about the Mallow Bypass. I have to say that in all my years on the Council Roads and Transportation Committee, I would have to hand on heart say Minister Eamon Ryan has been the worst Minister for Transport I've ever seen. Uh, He will offer no engagement with councillors on any road improvement or uh, safety uh, issues. Colm says, thanks for that, Declan. Colm says on the Mallow Relief Road, there was a news report back in September that the Department of Transport had a 200 million underspend for the first six months of this year and yet we're listening this morning that Mallow can't even get a little over a million to progress the relief road not making sense and John and Mallow says good man Councillor Pat uh, Hayes for raising this issue. Okay I've got to leave it there Pat listen thank you for that. Thanks very much. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil, councillor for Mallow and a businessman. So he wears kind of two hats uh, joining us on this issue. That's uh, Pat Hayes. We're giving away super value gift cards worth in total €5,000. It's the C103's Christmas covered. We're inviting you to listen from next Monday. We'll be asking you to text or WhatsApp in at a given time. You'll answer a Christmas question. And by doing that, you could win for yourself a €500 festive shopping spree. That's the C103 Christmas covered with super value gift cards. They're perfect for every occasion. They're available in store. You can get them online as an e-gift uh, card. And if you want to find out more, just search super value gift cards. But please, please, please listen from next Monday for your chance uh, to win only on C103. And it will be fabulous to have your Christmas covered with a €500 Euro gift card to spend. OK, that's coming your way from next week. Now, a lot of commentary in uh, in particular reacting to the suggestion that were told us put forward by the Junior Minister Patrick uh, O'Donovan, who believed those involved in the riots last Thursday should be punished financially and have their welfare stopped for taking part in the attack. Some of your thoughts on that coming into us. Sheila's making an interesting point. She said her sister moved to the UK 
number of uh, years uh, ago and she moved to the Bradford uh, area of the UK and she said over the years that particular area saw an increase in people from Arab countries and those of Muslim faith. And she said the population grew and grew and many of them integrated well and life was getting on fine. But then after a period of time, riots and protests began and both communities started to clash. She said things are not as bad now, but there's still a cohort of people who protest. So she's fearful watching what's happening in Ireland. Could we go down the same route? There will always be problems when you have migrants coming into a country. But in the majority of cases, they integrate well, but she's fearful that what has happened in the UK in the past could happen here. And I tell you, uh, Sheila, what you are remembering and what your sister is probably talking to you about was the Bradford riots that happened. I had to do a quick Google search just to try to remember when they happened. It was actually the summer of uh, 2001 and they occurred at the time. It Exactly as you say, it was a result of heightened tension between the large and growing British Asian communities and the city's white white majority and it escalated then and there was confrontation between the anti-Nazi League and then you had the far right groups you had the people like the British National Party and the National Front but it was the rise of the far right uh, of you know mainly white young men were involved but those riots were quite horrific indeed I remember watching them on the news so yes you're right Sheila we do have to be careful of what road we're going down in this country. Maura on body cams it's about time she she says members of Angarda Shiakona were given body cams. If security staff working in shopping centres can have them, why can't members of Angarda Shiakona or Gardaí are under so much pressure? It is simply not fair. Mick says those people who cause trouble in Dublin, their social welfare absolutely should be stopped. Even by doing that, they will be getting off too light. Someone else says jail and take their social welfare away. At the end of the day, says this worker, that's my tax that they are living on. Thugs need to learn. Hi Patricia, yes the social welfare should be taken from them as us hardworking people of Ireland will also now have to pay to replace the guard the cars and to replace the buses and the damage to the Lewis, Lewis and all the other damage that was done. We the taxpayers will have to pay for that. Somebody said the thugs in Dublin who get free legal aid should have a set amount deducted from their wages or their social welfare until the handout is fully paid back. Why should we again the taxpayer have to fund them. Hi Patricia if you receive a social welfare payment and have to get free legal aid well then there should be a percentage of it stopped in order to repay the free legal aid that's from Anthony Inyall who says PS Patricia we should stop calling it free legal aid it's taxpayers funded legal aid says Anthony Inyall. Thanks for that Anthony. Hi Patricia. To be fair to the rioters They've achieved total success when the endless pleadings of numerous law-abiding citizens have completely failed. And we are now getting a strong Garda presence on the streets of our capital city. Even after that poor American man was severely beaten up a while ago. What did we get? We got platitudes from the government. And we, the Minister for Justice, remember, flanked by Garda, walking around assuring everyone that Dublin was safe and that law and order in central Dublin was grand. 
The riot was an abject lesson for the Marie Antoinettes of the Dáil and they were forced to recognise what taxpayers and the good people of Dublin and visitors to the area have been saying for years with action now finally underway. As a result, law-abiding citizens and tourists will all feel safer on visits and shopping trips to our capital. Patricia, I'm not supporting the rioters, but truly every cloud does have a silver uh, lining, which is a fair enough point because it seems to be not the safest place you can be at the moment uh, is in Dublin. And Morris uh, says those rioters should be made paid for all the damage they've done and that money should be deducted from their social welfare. John from Glanworth says, I'm all for making people pay for their crimes. I even think free legal aid should only apply for the first three crimes. After that, the money should be deducted from their income, maybe even a €10 a week until it's paid off. And I would introduce a system whereby that would be per court visit. So if they ended up with four court court visits, then it would be €40 per week, either out of their wages, out of their social welfare. One of the best ways to hurt people is to get them in the pockets. Why should the poor taxpayer have to keep picking up the tabs? Cheers. That's from John in Glamworth. Catherine says, of course, take away social welfare from these thugs. Make their families root them out of their beds to get a job and to clean up the mess they are creating. The devil finds work for idle hands to do. Make those thugs go to work, says uh, Catherine. Pat in from says refuse he would refuse to give them free legal aid. Let them represent themselves in court. I wouldn't send them to prison, says Pat. I would leg tag and remove their freedom. If they go to prison, they've got to be kept and fed and that's at the taxpayers' expense. But if they're tagging, everyone will be able to see where they're coming and going. If they don't abide by the leg tag rules, then send them to prison. If you stop the dole money, guess what? They'll only go out robbing again. They'll find some way to fund their lifestyle. Jerry said those young thugs shouldn't be sent to jail. They'll learn nothing there. There are plenty of organisations going out to foreign countries to build homes, schools, hospitals, etc. Jerry said he's thinking along the lines of the Nile Mellon foundation that works in uh, South Africa. Put those youngsters on a plane and let them work with foreign charities for a while. Kind of a community service but you send them out of the country to do the community service. And Mary said, whatever happened to all of the land bought outside of Dublin a number of years ago to build a prison? Is that land still there or has it been built on? Put those rioters into tents on those lands and ask them to live there during the cold winter months and see how they get on. Well, the last update that we could find on the prison that you're talking about, Mary, was from April of last year, where the state was due to get a new valuation. It's a 150-acre site that was originally earmarked for a £525 million prison. And this is at Thornton Hall in North Dublin. It was purchased in the mid-noughties and it was to be the location for a large-scale prison. And remember at the time they spoke about it would be replacing Mount Joy. However, despite more than 50 million euro being spent on purchasing and servicing the site. A brick has never been laid and recent valuations are suggesting wait for this, this was this was in April of 2022. Uh, recent valuations suggest the land was worth a fraction of the purchase price. God. Show me a way to waste money and yes we have 
the good people of Mallow trying to get a bypass as is the, the good people of Charleville trying to get a relief road and we people in West Cork trying to get a pothole filled and money can be wasted uh, like that. 0818-103-103 and just on the Christmas uh, parties Joanne said I disagree with the people who are calling out Karen who contacted you yesterday saying that she's lacking trust in her husband. All it takes at one of these Christmas parties is for somebody to fill her husband up with drink and while you mightn't be doing anything wrong a photo gets taken the wrong way and it might look like he was getting up to some kind of shenanigans and even if her husband never drank the way some people take photographs without permission at these social events sometimes the way the photograph is taken can be misleading for example Joanne says her husband could be leaning in close to talk to somebody needing to lean in close because of loud music a photograph could be snapped at that exact moment and it might look like her husband is moving in for a kiss this can cause problems so yes I agree with Karen she ne- people need to be careful as you don't want hassle particularly in the lead up to Christmas 0818103103 some of your thoughts are coming in keep them coming we welcome them you can text your WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Wonderful Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarroll They've got a vacancy for a new arrivals groom. Now, full job description and application details are available on their website, which is thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk. Excavation drivers, banksmen and general operatives are wanted for trenching works throughout the West Cork area. Now, experience is essential. You can email info at crow slash bar dot ie or call Joe on 87 Six four eight eight six seven eight. A shop manager is wanted for a tool hire company. It's in the Dunmanway area. Now, some experience with construction equipment would be an advantage. Vincent is your contact at 086 and Mitchellstown Community have a number of vacancies on their CE schemes. Now it's for caretakers, retail assistants, cleaners and receptionists. It's in various locations in and around the Mitchellstown area. If you qualify for community employment, please contact Kathleen 87 You'll find all the details of the jobs I've just announced and indeed more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie And I will come back to your calls and uh, comments in a little while, but I want to move to a different issue because with an increase in calls for support this year to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, the organisation say they're now on track to top last year's record number of families looking for help. To talk about how SVP are coping locally, I'm joined by Paddy O'Flynn and Paddy is the Regional President of SVP South West. Good morning to you, Paddy. Morning, Patricia. And listen, great uh, great to talk to you. Last year, it was a 20% increase year on year with the previous year. Are your calls this year showing that the cost of living crisis is still very much affecting so many people, particularly families? Yes, it is. Um, the latest monthly figures I have are for October, where in the Cork office alone we had 1,760 calls for assistance, which is up, I'd say, another 20%. I was speaking to our assistants this morning, 
And they tell me that November is really going to top that again. So, like, we're on course to have record number of calls for assistance this year. Um, all sorts of reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, we're... we're, we're and the government will say, look, they're trying to do their best. They're giving out bonus payments. There were some paid last week. There's some being paid uh, this week. They're giving help with electricity bills. But for some, Paddy, it's, is it just simply not enough? No, it's not. You see, the budget increase in social welfare, which is the kind of mainstay of people keeping keeping body and soul together for people who went up by about €5. Euro. Our budget submission calculated that the weekly social welfare should have gone up by €27.50 Euro to keep, just to keep pace. Now, we, we're thankful, like as everybody else, for the lump sum payments, but they're just piecemeal and they're not, they're not giving a permanent solution to the problem which we're experiencing, you know? Yeah, I've countless times heard say, you know, the lump sum payment is great when it arrives, but then it's not going to be there the following week. No. And and, and, uh, it's gone. And at Christmas, would would a lot of your calls, um, would many of your calls be helped with, you know, basic things like children's toys and trying to make Christmas special for the the little ones? Are you still getting those kind of calls? The hierarchy of calls this morning I was checking goes something like cold, Energy in other forms like gas and electricity. Food especially because the cost of food year and year has gone up by about 15%. And then we're into the Christmassy kind of things like toys, which the demand is beginning for those now and will certainly increase over the next couple of weeks. People are also looking, in terms of Christmas, people are trying to order their hampers. We provide very substantial hampers to families in need across Christmas, very special hampers, which is practically a full... Christmas meal for a family. So people are ordering those at the moment. We will deliver about two and a half thousand of them across the city yeah. uh, and the um, outskirts over the, you know, before, the week before Christmas. So there's a huge amount going on. Uh, on top of that, of course, then we had the flood in East Cork, just to mention it, but we are coping with that reasonably well now. Uh, we are spending quite a bit across. Danmire, Middleton and Killer. What's um, that, hel- helping people recover from the floods? Not really. I mean, they're recovering, but there's still a lot more work to do. And to be fair to the Department of Social Protection, they've been extremely positive okay. in helping people as well. But um, it'll take some people quite a while to return, to return to their homes in the first case. So this is a bit of a long haul. We expect it could take another six months you know, of emergency support to get everything back, settled back to where it was. So it's quite a lot of work there, you know, for all people. It's so, volunteers. it's so hard. We're playing a starring, an absolutely fantastic role. Yeah, incredible, incredible. But Paddy, I think it's so hard for a lot of us to understand that we've got families here across Cork City and Cork who are struggling to put basic food items on the table. They are. They are, and, some, and sometimes they have to compromise between food and heat, you know? Do you, <laughs> there's an old phrase, do you eat or heat? A lot of families face that prospect. So we come to their rescue with, clearly we spend a lot of money on coal, we spend a, quite a bit on supporting people with their gas electricity bills. We have very, very good, very, very good contact and very good relationships with the major energy suppliers where we can negotiate on behalf of people. We do a lot on food vouchers, and like I mentioned, Christmas already. 
So, um, yes, the, the, the number of people uh, who come to us is on the increase all of the time. And that includes people who are on what we call the minimum wage, uh, which although it's gone up by 6.9% this year, it's still far below what it, where it should be to, to give families essential, an, any kind of an essential standard of living. That's the working, so what, that's what the we working poor. We're, we're in the middle of the annual appeal, the national appeal, but locally. We're um, rolling out lots of initiatives. We have our big church door collections on the 9th and 10th of December. And now church gate collections have increased, have recovered quite a bit from COVID times. Great. Thanks to the two bishops, uh, Klein and Cock and Ross. And of course, they're priests. So that'll be a big, a, a big help to us. We're appealing to individuals, companies, for vouchers so that we can turn them around and help people to have the choice of buying their own food and clothes and toys for Christmas. So we're quite busy on that whole scheme of things at the moment. And um, on top of that, we've got our old friend, the car draw. Mm-hmm. We have a beautiful Ford Focus up for raffle. Tickets are five euros, 20 euros. 20 old by 5. Um, they can be bought online at www.sdp.ie by going into um, the card draw drop down. And yes, we're doing a lot to fundraise. Well done. And, uh, well done. We're very appreciative of the people of Cork who've never failed us yet. And when you talk about those families, you know, the working poor, people who are going out to work, they're living in, in neighbourhoods. They could be, you know, your neighbour, the person that you say hello to every morning across the road as you're heading out to work. And, and people see them going out to work and think, oh, they must be doing OK. You know, he's getting up and going to work every day. She's out at work every day. People don't realise what goes on behind closed doors. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. And we, but we see it firsthand. And... Um People, people on these low-paid jobs are sometimes very reluctant and embarrassed to come to us. But anybody listening who is in that situation, we really encourage them to come to us because we're there to help. And our only criteria is need. We don't need to know any more. Just understand their need, and we will do our very best to alleviate that need by the various, various uh, helps we have. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just, I just described for you. And why, why do you think some people find it so hard to pick up the phone and make that call and say, I need a bit of help? Human nature is pride, yeah. nothing else. Preventing people from just picking up the phone or walking into the office. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big step. But once people have made it, uh, we are certainly able to help. And we are delighted to be able to help. There's nothing pleases, nothing pleases me or our people more than actually helping people back on their feet or helping, helping it towards some kind of sustain, sustain, sustainability in, in, in their everyday lives. Yeah, that's what keeps us going as volunteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have amazing volunteers because I take it that that constant financial pressure, uh, Paddy, it must put people under huge emotional stress. It does. It does. Like we've seen people in all sorts of distress, to be honest, and it can be distressing for our volunteers as well at times. Um, but like I said, we are fairly well experienced, we're well trained, we've been well used to this kind of thing, and um, we 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 <laughs> we we're we're here to help. Yeah, and um, but it can be distressing sometimes to see people, the people we help in serious distress. But by and large, we can help people. Yeah, you can make you can make you can make the difference. I saw one we of your volunteers. We, we do I, make the difference. I saw one of your volunteers, and I think it was the Irish Independent uh, today. It was a, an article just promoting the great work of uh, VDP, and uh, one of the, your volunteers is quoted as saying, "In my thirty-two years, I've never met as many stressed people that I have in this past year. We were never getting as many uh, requests. So, I mean, it's been reflected uh, all over the country. And for those people, because we are still a wealthy country, let's not forget." get that we are a wealthy uh, country so there are people who can afford uh, to give and as you say Paddy the good people of Cork they're always very generous they never let you down no no they don't we are an extremely wealthy country but there is a there is an issue in terms of the way in which it is it's, it's divided well we've never yet been failed by the, the, the corporates and the individuals who have the wealth we've never yet been failed every year we, our, 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 our income, if you can call it that, increases, and it's commensurate with demand. So we, we, like I said, we've been here before, and we are very, very confident that we will have a very good appeal this year again, as we've always had. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here's a kind of a typical example of what we were talking about earlier, about the bonus payments that the government were giving out. A listener says, hi Patricia, I got that extra €300 Euro last week that was given out. It was a, a top-up for the uh, fuel uh, allowance and my plan was to get some extra f- fuel uh, to tide me over the winter months where the post arrived. My house insurance came in and it was €385. Uh, Euro. So the 300 was gone before I ever got it into my hand. Yeah, yep. And that's the problem. A typical, that's, a typical example, but before I forget it, for anybody who wants to help us, look, a straightforward call to our office in Tokyo Street at 021 427 That's 427-0-4. And um, we were very happy to take donations, to take any kind of gifts we can get. Yeah. So um, it's the time of year, and um, 
our appeal is out there and I hope it, and I know very well it will not fall on deaf ears. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Paddy, continue. Good luck to the great work that you all do at the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, as I know, all of you, all of you are volunteers. You do amazing uh, work. Uh, so we wish you continue good luck uh, with it. And uh, we thank you for joining us on the programme today and a happy Christmas to you. Thank you, Patricia, and all who work there. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lovely man. That's Paddy O'Flynn, Regional President of SVP uh, Southwest. Now, some households are already fully bedecked with their Christmas decorations, but for others, it's coming to that time of year when you need to get up into the attic, drag out the boxes, and it can be a job that some people absolutely hate doing. So it's delighted to hear that a local company in Ballancolic is offering a service designed to taking the hassle out of decorating your home this Christmas. Mairead Collier is an interior designer and uh, she joins me this morning. Good morning, Jim Raid. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, this is a brand new uh, service. How and why did you decide to come up with the idea of offering this service? Okay. Um, well, I first came across this service um, when I was living in America around, I don't know, over 15 years ago. It was something um, interior designers offered their clients and offered people and uh, so that's when I sort of first came across it. And then when I set up my own interior design business pre-pandemic, um, that first Christmas I offered it and it was only family and friends took it up and it was more kind of educating people really what it was involved. And then the pandemic hit, so I left it. And then um, obviously, you know, you're getting your business back up and running. And then this year, um, my UK best friend, as I refer to her, <laughs> said something to me. Her daughter's travelling for the year, won't be back at Christmas. And she said she wasn't really feeling Christmassy and the Christmas spirit and the thought of, you know, decorating the house and why would she do it? So, and she just said an off-cuff remark to me, she said, I wish you'd do it for me, but obviously I'm here in Ireland and she's in the UK. And then I thought, well, if she's she um, is feeling like that, then maybe um, there are other people like that and people just, you know, some people just dread doing it. So I decided to offer it again. And uh, yeah, it's been going good. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Yeah. And there can be a variety. I mean, there, there's there's some people just don't like doing it. It's just it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's interesting yes. what you're saying about your friend. There are other reasons. There can be very, you know, the first Christmas after mm-hmm. a loved one has passed away. That yeah. can be yeah, so, such a difficult yeah. time. But if, But yet for the rest of the family, exactly. you might want to put up the decorations. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking as well as people just like availing of the convenience of it and having a designer touch. But there's other sort of reasons. reasons like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like that first Christmas after bereavement and you might still have kids um, that you have to do it for. Or, you know, you've just had a, it's your first Christmas after the divorce yeah. or you've had, you know, a serious um, surgery or you've an illness or you've, like myself, aging parents and you have to decorate your own and their house to some extent or you're, even if you don't, you're kind of running between the two. So there's kind of that... Yeah, variety of reasons. Yeah, there's a a variety. So talk me through what what you do. You arrive and do you start by going through all the decorations that are in the house? Is that the... How do you do it? Yeah, yeah. What I I usually... 
ask for just for a couple of photos of the area that um, I'm decorating. And there's kind of, what I say, there's a menu of options. You can have just the tree, you can have the tree in the mantelpiece, you can have the whole room, or you can have, I can, if you don't want that, I'll write your Christmas cards if you hate something you hate doing. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, my husband does. But anyway, and even though he insists we send them, but um, or wrap the presents, you know, or a combination of those. So you can pick and choose like a pick and mix. And um, I use the homeowners decorations. Um, if they have uh, previous Christmas photos, I can get an idea of what I'm working with. If um, And the one thing I do ask them, if at all possible to have the tree standing when I get there, it just saves them time. Or it saves me time and then money. But if, if that's not an issue, then I will uh, put the tree up and so forth and so on. So, yeah, so I arrive. <laughs> I see what's in front of me, you know. What, and then, and um, then you, you, set about, you set about your work. Yeah, do, I do, yeah. Do, then, do you yeah. like, uh, I'm going to pick now your interior designer brain here. Yeah. Do you like yeah. a theme when it comes to decoration for Christmas? Like, you know, the use of colour, for example. What I... What I like is um, a kind of curated palette of maybe three colours. Now, that's a personal choice. I like it because it's just a bit more kind of sophisticated and it doesn't look as chaotic. However, there is that kind of, some people like that, you know, that total over-the-top winter wonderland kind of thing. And that can be done as well. But again, if you just rein in your palette to the sort of traditional red, white and green, then it can look it can look fabulous. Um, but, yeah, I think if you just edit your colour palette to maybe three colours, um, that you, you can't go wrong, really. Yeah. And it just and doesn't stick, look as yeah. it just looks a bit more thought about. Yeah, because, you know, you, you can see it online when people put up uh, pictures yeah, that yeah, some absolutely. people can go absolutely over the top. I mean, are we in danger of over decorating a room, for example? Um, <laughs> you can do. You can do. Yeah. But like some people just love that. They just love every surface covered. And um, I, it, yeah, but I do think sometimes when you just cover everything and everywhere you can't really appreciate what you've done and you can't really appreciate and take in um your decorations because there's too many of them and it's just you know your head spinning really so yeah there's a fine line fine balance did you out of interest did you see the white house in um jill biden's decorations did you see them <laughs> what, what you, oh my God! Compared to poor Melania Trump, who wasn't really yeah, a Christmas, yeah. <laughs> unreal. I would suggest anybody go online and, and take a look at the White House. So, now we're not oh, saying yeah, Armourade yeah. is going to do that in your house, but just just to exactly, see yeah, over yeah, the top yeah, American decorations. Yeah, oh, okay. they have a different budget and different yeah, scale. absolutely. What What are your top tips for decorating the Christmas tree? Somebody wants to know. Okay, um, right. Um, as I said, the first one would be you know just kind of curate or edit your colour palette and maybe keep it to three, maximum four colours. So that, you know, your baubles and your um, your ornaments and your standalone decorations all kind of fall into the same colours uh, band, those three colours, so they all work well. And then the second thing, if you have an artificial tree or garland, you know, that you put in your stairs, your mantelpiece, 
the most important thing to do is to fluff it and um, and to fluff it kind of your tree in a star shape. You know, each branch fluff it, it takes, it's a faff, it takes time, but it actually makes a huge difference to the tree looking full and natural. And um, and then, you know, um, the last thing I would say is you can't go wrong. I just love battery pinhead battery lights. They're just, you know, you can stick them everywhere there on that wired so you can maneuver them mm. and you you know and they're really easy and they're cheap because like you know you get them from pennies and duns and i think i picked up some from tesco yesterday for five euro yeah they're, and they're, they're brilliant yeah they're and, just, and they're really effective because they're bright and uh you can as i said and they're light so you can put them on delicate places or in delicate things yeah so there would be the do, two things do I'd you put lights on first uh, yeah, yeah, always. Fluff your, fluff your tree, then put your lights, uh, put your ornaments on, and then you can put what I call our fillers, you know, those kind of artificial, um, they look like foliage. Yeah. Or you can have yeah. feathers, or the, you see everywhere this year, the, those big, huge, big flowers. They're fillers, so you could, like, put those on next and then step back. Every time you put something on, step back, look at it, see if the tree is balanced. And odd numbers are really good. Not even numbers, odd numbers. What do you mean by odd numbers? Well, if say if you have the same ornament, say you yeah. uh, like a big ornament, and say your colour palette is red, we'll just go traditional red, white, and green. So um, if you get odd numbers, if you have say one, you're picking your baubles for the tree. And you come up and you buy some really nice and you can mix them up high and low like fashion or anything. You buy some nice, big, um, decent money baubles. If you get, say, three of those rather than, say, four, it's more effective because in nature, nothing occurs in pairs or everything occurs in odd numbers. And that's what your eye kind of rests on. And feels more natural. Whereas if you put four on, there's something in your subconscious to say that that's not right because that's <laughs> not how it works in nature. Well, and that works in in interior design as well. It's just a, it, you know. That's incredible. A, that's incredible. Is yeah, is tinsel yeah. on the Christmas tree? Is that gone? Is that very old fashioned? No, you can you can like you can. Oh, if I was putting tinsel on a tree, I think I would just put lights and tinsel and no ornaments. I think that could be really, really nice. And um, say if you had a white artificial tree, I think that could be that could look fabulous. But I wouldn't put tinsel and ornaments. Okay. But like again, it's, pers- it's personal. It's personal, yeah, like I, yeah. You know, if 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 a client has tinsel and wants tinsel, I would put it on. <laughs> but I would put it on the way I think it looks. Okay. It looks best. And uh, are I'm you best. a fan of the artificial tree or is it a real tree? What do you prefer? Um, well, I there's pros and cons to both with the artificial one. You buy it, it's very easy to assemble and it lasts for, you know, 10, 15 years, depending. If, obviously, if you spend, you know, if you buy a decent one, they can last with the, um, but then, of course, there's, you know, at the end, it does have a shelf life, but then with the real trees, they're lovely, they smell, but they, um they die very easily in our house and very quickly in our houses because we have central heating. They're lovely. 
Um, but at the same time, if you're not renting it or you're not getting a rooted tree, you still end up dumping it. And I know it's a, mm. an organic thing, but, you know, there's pros and cons to both. There is, yeah. Really. And um, so, really, it's... it's um, I'm kind of in between the two, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah I that's have right. to and say, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an artificial uh, tree person um, yeah. I, I, and yeah. have been for a number of years. I, I invested in a white tree a number of years ago and it's my pride and joy. But the one thing I have to say is when I go into houses of family or friends, I love the smell of a real tree. Oh, it, oh yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, if you got, I think, Clean Clean, the candle makers do a really nice uh, candle uh, that smells, you know, of similar Christ. to a real tree. Okay. And I think if you if you ha- light one of those candles again, get yeah. one that really that's decent, and that will last because the more expensive candles do, and um, then you will, you know, you'll have your artificial one and you'll have your smell in the background. It won't be a, it won't be exactly, but like it would be close. Tree, it would be close. It would, it would, yeah. And it's not, that's what, that's what like Christmas and this kind of service is all about. It's just invoking feelings and memories and a bit of joy in people's lives. Yeah, mm, and you're trying to take the stress uh, away from yeah, people. But I suppose yeah, after so the through. the next most stressful time after the Christmas <laughs> is the taking down of the bloody yeah. decoration. I mean, yeah. we all hate it. We all hate yeah. it because the house looks so bare, but it's the actual yeah. thought of it. Are you offering that yeah. service? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> um, I offered that then um, to people who take up my service before okay. Christmas, I, I say, as a, a thank you. I'll come back and take it all down and, um, you know, box it up for you. And uh, obviously they can put it up in their own attic. Yeah. But yeah. And then after Christmas, if people want me to do that, it's the same rate and I'll do it for them. Okay, well done. And it is important to put it back, put everything back carefully. If you've invested in good decorations, then look after them. Yeah, absolutely. Because then they'll last for years. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, uh, somebody knows what a fantastic idea. How can Maraid be contacted? Um, on my uh, email, which is info at moraidcollierinteriors.com or by um, DM on Facebook or WhatsApp on 086 898 6735. Yeah, and I found you up on, I'm sure I saw you on Facebook yesterday. Yeah, uh, Maraid, yeah. Maraid Collier Interior, C O L L I E R. Listen, I E R or I R? I E R. Listen, I wish yeah. you the best of luck with it. I think I think, it's, I think it's a great concept and I love to Thank see you. somebody thinking outside the box and coming up with something yeah. new. So, so yeah. good luck uh, with it, Maraid. Thank and, th- you. and thanks for Thank joining us so. and talking to us this morning. No, pleasure. Thank Good you morning so to you. Bye bye. That is Mairead Collier of Mairead Collier Interiors based in Ballincollig. If you'd like somebody to come in, take all the stress out of it and put your decorations up uh, for you. Let me take a look at some of your thoughts and uh, comments uh, coming in. Now, firstly, a listener was on to say, Patricia, can you tell me, please, is the living alone allowance, is that being the bonus living alone allowance, is that being paid out uh, this week? It is. This is the second week of the bonus welfare payments that got announced 
in the budget last month and this week on whatever day you receive your payments and for example this listener is on disability allowance and receives their payment on a Wednesday so if it's on a Wednesday you'll get it today others pick up their payments on Thursday and uh, Friday so this week any anyone in receipt of the carers support uh, grant they're receiving an extra 400 euro bonus uh, payment the living alone allowance which is mainly paid to older people around 237,000 people get the living alone allowance which is what this listener is inquiring uh, about that gets paid out this week that's an extra 200 euro on the living alone allowance and there's one additional payment this week which is the 100 euro bonus which will be paid in receipt of the qualified child benefit okay that's week two of the bonus welfare payments and of course this day next week everyone is entitled to it will be, be picking up the annual Christmas double a bonus a week but that's not until next week so yes living alone allowance is getting paid out this week and thank you to Michael in Castletown Bear who sent me on a piece that I have to say I was unaware of but he said just a, a reminder of the Christmas tragedy that happened back in 1968 that shook the Bear Peninsula may their gentle souls rest in eternal peace and Michael has sent me on a picture of a plaque that was erected I think for the 40th anniversary of the tragedy and the tragedy is to do with a shipping trawler by the name of the Sea Flower and it says on the plaque that the Sea Flower left uh, Kilmacillogue Pier on the 22nd of December 1968 to return home to Castletown Bear for Christmas. It never got there. The crew who perished were Michael Crowley who was the skipper from Bear Island uh, Neil Crilly from Douglas, Bernie Lynch from Castletown Bear, Noel Sheehan from Jersey Island, and John Michael Sheehan from Jersey Sound. And the plaque says, "May they rest in peace." And the plaque was erected in December of two thousand and eight by the Kill. Kilmac Kilogue Regatta Committee. Isn't that so sad? Nine, in, back in 1968. And I'm sure that that is a tragedy that Michael says actually shook the entire uh, Beira Peninsula because, you know, so many lives were lost and in a small community like that, everybody knows everybody and I'm sure to this day there are family members who remember that uh, day and that night uh, so well and could you imagine it on Christmas Christmas uh, week? Uh, really sad indeed. Thank you Michael for that and actually if you if you think of it, Michael, on the actual day if you get it back into me, I'll, I'll happily give it a mention again on the 22nd of uh, December if I'm on uh, air. 0818103103 on the rioters. Hi, uh, Patricia. Yes, there should be a financial penalty to those rioters. It's all they really understand. They've no respect for the Gardaí or indeed for anyone else. We are already financing their dole money. And are we now expected to pay for the damage that they also caused last Thursday? Make no mistake, it is our taxpayers' money that will be used. A financial penalty is the only way. And someone else says, I think the Gardaí should have body cams they already have a very tough job but this comes with the but if the camera stops mid-incident or for whatever reason is turned off then whatever evidence is on that body cam should not be used it should be thrown out immediately plus any member from Gardaí Siakona that does that 
more than three times uh, they should be kicked out of the forces obviously they're trying to hide something so some yeah so somebody basically saying you know when body cams are introduced they have to come with sort of strict rules and actually I did say I did see it broke there during the news at 12 that the guard the commissioner is saying that the guard they will begin to deploy the body cameras now but it's not going to come until the middle of next year and he said all the frontline guard will be issued also with stronger defensive sprays um, that's pepper spray I'm assuming and more personal safety uh, equipment he doesn't get into the details of what that is now the Commissioner actually is going to be speaking at the Oireachtas uh, Justice uh, Committee today that's this afternoon it's, well, I think it's actually got, got underway at uh, 12, uh, 12 noon today um, and the, he will talk about the fact that Angarda Shikona have already begun making changes to operational policing and that was in the wake of the riots Drew Harris said more public order Gardaí are being trained in addition to the thousand that are already uh, there and he went on I will go on to reiterate high visibility in the city centre two water cannons have already been deployed and are ready for use he said the Gardaí have sought amendments to legislation to allow them to access audio from CCTV to enable them to advance incitement crimes because if you listen to some of the audio that went up online you can clearly hear people inciting the group that are there and calling them to you know to move to another area and you know at one stage you know there was I heard on one of the video clips they were saying that there's no immigrants here and they were calling them to go to one of the um, centres where asylum seekers have been used I mean really threatening threatening commentary was was coming out. So I suppose it's that kind of material that the Gardaí want to look at. And the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, has agreed to Drew Harris's request to fast track the facial and object identification technology. And it seems that the Gardaí are considering bringing thousands of thousands of hours of CCTV that they've already gathered from last Thursday during the investigation into the rights. They're actually considering it, bringing it to another jurisdiction and using facial recognition technology in another jurisdiction. I'm assuming they're talking about going to the UK, which then would enable them to identify suspects for looting, for rioting or for violent assaults, particularly violent assaults on Gardaí uh, during the riots. Uh, so we'll watch that one with uh, great interest. So I take it a lot of our listeners will be glad to hear that they are going to get the body cams, but there's going to be a bit of a wait uh, on it. It's not going to come until the middle of next year. 0818103103. We spoke about the, or spoke with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in the last hour. Uh, one listener wants to point out when Paddy was talking to us and he mentioned the tickets, you know, they have these tickets on sale for the car. You might have got them through the post. I know I certainly received mine. Uh, they either came with the post or I got them in a newspaper. Anyway, I get them every year. They get somehow get delivered to my house uh, every year and they, it's five euro a ticket or I think you can buy a book of five for uh, 20 euro. This listener wants to point out that those envelopes that came into people's houses, he knows an elderly friend of his who put the 20 euro into the free post and posted it back to Tucky Street. Now he said, I know that there's an option online where you can send the money electronically, but for for some older people, they don't deal with online and they prefer to deal with cash. He's just fearful does all of that money uh, arrive as, you know, anybody seeing it will know there's money inside. And I've never heard of there ever been 
an issue with money going missing from VDP, but I suppose there is always a danger when you put money into an envelope and send it through the post. There's always a danger that it hasn't arrived. And, and I certainly in the past have sent cards to people and I've got stung a few times that it never arrived. And it's 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 really disappointing at when that happens. 0818103103. And another listener was listening with interest to Paddy talking about the Society of Vincent Paul and how so many people now are going to, to them for help and is wondering what are the solutions to people who are struggling. This listener says, is it really all down to money? Are there other solutions that could be considered? His sister said, I had to borrow money for years until I got on my feet financially. I just had to do it to get on with my life. I had to swallow my pride and ask for help. I'm very happy with life now and thankfully have no financial worries. And I think that's where Vincent de Paul comes into it, though. They try to take some of that financial pressure away from people uh, so that they can go on and, you know, get back on their feet again. I mean, countless times I would have heard from Vincent de Paul over the years that, you know, when somebody comes, it can be very difficult to pick up the phone and say that I need help. They've had people come who would have said in previous years, I always donated to you at Christmas. I always bought the tickets for your car. I always, you know, went to Mass and put the money into the church gate collection. But this year, I just financially, I need your help. And, you know, the line that often comes back from volunteers of St. Vincent Paul said, well, look, we're here to help you. We'll help you out now. And who knows, in another few years, when you get back on your feet, you can kind of pay it back and then you can come back and give money back in and help others. And that's why I think that's always been the success of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. They help people when they need it. And then luckily, we've got very generous people that when they don't need their help and they have an extra bit, they're able to uh, give it to um, Vincent de Paul, and that's how their work keeps going. 0818 103 103. You can stop texting us on our uh, competition for the Everyman. Uh, we asked the uh, question the Everyman's located on McCurtain Street where what recent changes traffic-wise occurred on the street and of course it became it was it has reopened two-way traffic and that's the first time that McCurtain Street has opened to two-way traffic since 1968. It has been one way since 1968 and our winner today is Shirley Birmingham in Douglas. Congratulations Shirley Birmingham in Douglas who has won for herself a family pass to go to the Everyman on Saturday the 9th of December with a family pass to the Leisureplex and a goodie back on arrival in the theatre. Congratulations to you, Shirley. Enjoy. And we'll have more of the same. We'll give them uh, another prize away again tomorrow, Thursday and one on Friday. And as always, if you want to purchase tickets, the Panto opens this Saturday night, the 2nd of December. Go to everymancork.com for further details. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Duke of are holding a talk entitled Back to the Beginning, the Magic and Rituals of Christmas. It's on tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock in Clonakilty GAA Pavilion. Shane Lahan from Cork College of Further Education and Training is the guest speaker and he's also a very popular contributor on the RTE Today show. A €5 Euro cash entry fee will apply tomorrow night. The More the Merrier chat group, their monthly get-together will be in Gertvira Hall in Ballinine tomorrow at half past seven. All are welcome. And Kildallery Lotto Draw, that will be held tomorrow afternoon at four with a jackpot of €11,400. 
Cork County Council are honouring Johnny Horgan, a.k.a. Johnny Bongos from Mallow, at a civic reception in the Hibernian Hotel on Friday night. That starts at half past eight. While Drumahan Tennis Club, they'll hold a fundraising table quiz. Hickey's Bar in Drumahan this Friday starts at eight. Tables of four, please, for €40. Euro, and all are welcome. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And just when I mentioned that there's uh, extra bonus payments being paid this year, uh, one is the carer support, but another one is for those uh, living, living alone. Uh, Joe in Kimalik says, I received one of those payments uh, this week. And I, if Joe says, I'd just like to say, I'm really thankful thankful to the taxpayers as they as they are the ones who are funding my payment and the payments for all of us to receive. But I'd like to point out, I paid my taxes, says Joe, over the years. So those currently paying the taxes so that I can receive this bonus payment this week, they, please God, will benefit when they reach old age, PH. Yeah, and that's, that's how the system uh, works. Thank you for that, Joe. And we hope that that bonus payment makes a little bit of a difference. And thank you to somebody who's name, no name on this who says, Hi Patricia, thank you so much for interviewing the interior designer, Mairead Collier earlier about the Christmas decorations. As I was listening to the radio and your interview, I was putting my garland on the mantelpiece when she recommended that you need to fluff fluff it up. So I took her advice and believe me, it definitely looks much better. A great interview. Thank you for it. Love the show. Thank you for that. So fluff up your garlands and she said to fluff up your Christmas tree as well. Okay, we were talking with uh, the Society of Vincent de Paul and how tricky it can be uh, for people at this time of the year. Eileen in Bear Island has contacted us. Good morning to Eileen. Hi Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Actually just talking of uh, Bear Island, uh, Michael from Castletown Bear sent on that thing about the wreck of uh, the yeah. seaflower. Were, were, you, were you living in the area at the time? I was, yeah. I was living on Bear Island. I remember it well. Christmas week, the 22nd. Yeah, it was. It was it was unbelievable. Like it was just, I suppose, you know, it was surreal really. We never, you know, you never expect something like that. Um, to happen in your own area. You hear about it in other areas. You never expect it to happen in your own area. And, like, you know, it was devastating because Michael was from Bear Island Band, like, you know, um, and um, we were all devastated. It was on. And, and they were you know, all, they, they were local men. They were all... They were local yeah, men, yeah. yeah. And, and when you think at that time, they were all timber boats, like, you know, timber yeah. trawlers. And, and when I, when I, I often think of those who went to help, you know, uh, that night, and they put their own lives at risk trying to get to Kilmacalogue in, in, you know, it was uh, the, the wind, like, and, you know, the gale that night, and they, they they never thought of themselves, they just wanted to help, but they, they it just, you know, they were too late. Yeah. And do they all, did anyone survive, or do they did they all perish? No, no, they all, they all perished. Oh, all my perished. God. And and you, were they, did they have young fam? Were they, yeah, were they Michael, fam- Michael, um, Michael Crowley had a young family. Um, God, yeah. it's so sad. It's yeah, so it sad. was. It was. Ter- it was. It was a devastating tragedy. It was. And, and their I, bodies. I suppose you know. We, we. I think about it here because we're local. And yeah. Been so many tragedies all around our coast. You know, affecting all families. Yeah, but I think the fact it was the 22nd of December and they were heading home for Christmas and you could imagine the excitement for them and for their families, you know, everyone's coming home for Christmas. And were all their bodies recovered? 
They were. They, they were. were. Yeah. God yeah. help them. God help them. OK. Yeah. Uh, we are, we're chat, we want to chat about a different issue now because you've raised something that I think is, is worth mentioning. We were talking with the Society of Vincent de Paul just how hard it can be for uh, families at, at the moment. And if you've got families with, with young children, you know, everybody wants to make it a happy and a joyful time uh, for kids. Yeah. But if yeah. you if you put alcoholism into the mix, if you yeah. somebody in the house is battling with alcohol addiction, it's yeah. completely different, isn't it? It is a completely different. It's totally, totally different, Patricia. I mean, you know, I suppose Ireland, like, is always, you know, we're the we're <laughs> drinking is embedded in our culture. You know, mm. the Irish, the drunken Irish, you hear it all over the world. But but for families at Christmas time, you know, it's then. And, and I mean, I do my, know myself from experience. It, it, it can be, you know, you try to normalize Christmas for your children. Mm. You know, you do. You try to make it normal, you know, but it, 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 inwardly. And I think, you know, it's it, it brings up another, a lot of other issues as well, because you're under so much pressure to normalize everything and and to make everything look normal outside that it affects your mental health as well. So I think maybe thought should be given to some of these families who are affected by it. And you don't want to admit it. You know, mm. you don't. Yeah, because it's funny. I remember at a good number of years ago now when I would, you know, every year at this time of year, we, you know, we speak with Vincent de Paul just to remind people, you know, the help is there if you need it. But also yeah. uh, if um, if you can, if you can give, please, please give. And I remember interviewing uh, a guy, uh, John Paul, I remember his name. He used to be president inside in Cork. He was he was fantastic. See, Paddy something with his name. Anyway, I can't remember his name. But anyway, we, we were chatting away and somebody sent in a kind of a nasty text saying there's a family, you know, in our road who get money from Vincent de Paul and you drop a hamper off. And I know for a fact that the father in that family is drinking all the dole money and, you know, you shouldn't be helping him out. Yeah. And he said straight away, that's the very reason why we are going into that yeah. house. Mm-hmm. Why should the mother in this case and the children suffer? And the children because unfortunately, the father is 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 uh, yeah. addicted to alcohol. And it you see what I think what a lot of people who say things like that, Patricia, don't realise alcoholism is a disease. Mm. It's not like something you know. It's a disease. Yeah, the same yeah. as any other any other disease. It's a health issue, and and um, you know they need help. And I suppose you know for families, because I remember one time my husband said to me about drinking. You know, you don't think of the day, that the day you're drinking, you don't think of the money that day. You're worried about the money for the next day. Yeah. Because you want the money for the next day. It's all about you alcohol know? and how much alcohol. It's all that, about yeah. alcohol, yeah. you know. And I mean, you, you try as a mother, you try to put, you know, you try to put on this sunny, um, you know, exterior and everything is lovely. And, you you know, you're trying to make things normal for your children and trying to do the best you can. But, but it, you know, it, it does affect you mentally as well. And I think thoughts should be given to these families who are affected by alcoholism. You know? Yeah, and and people need to be very careful about judgment and about yeah, you know it's like you'd, you'd hear somebody saying why why are why are Vincent de Paul going in there look at the swanky car outside the door That's nobody it. I'm always saying nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors and walk a mile in my shoes before you start to criticise somebody yeah that it you see nobody does nobody does no you know because mostly I mean it can be both parents. 
can yeah, be both yeah, can be yeah. mother and father, yeah. you know, or it can be, you know, the mother and the father trying to normalize things, you know. Yeah. But, but like, inwardly, you're suffering, and that family is suffering inwardly, and the children have expectations, all children have expectations for Christmas, and that parent, be it the mother or the father, is struggling to try to provide uh, a nice, you know, Christmas for that, their, their children. And can you imagine the mental anguish of a parent who can't afford to buy, you know, something their child wants? Yeah, knowing that the child has sent a yeah. letter, letter and to Santa Claus. And that you actually literally can't afford it. Yeah. Can you imagine the pain, you know? You're a parent, like, can you imagine the pain of that? I couldn't. I just, just, yeah, it doesn't bear thinking about it. It just doesn't bear. And that's where, you know, I'm always saying to people, pick up the phone and ring your local Vincent de Paul. There's no judgment there. And they they would. It was Brendan Dempsey was the name I was trying to think of. Brendan was president in Cork for years, a fantastic man. And he he often told that story and it was in the run up to Christmas of delivering a box of uh, groceries into a house inside in the city. And it was a woman who was uh, raising her, her, her one of her grandchildren and when they went in he said that the little fella jumped up on the seat to take a look at what was in the box on the table and got all excited because there was a packet of porridge and it was Granny, Granny there's porridge can we have porridge and he said Brendan said he realised in that moment in time that the child was hungry and they were waiting yeah. on the box yeah. to come from Vincent de Paul Yeah that's reality yeah. That's and but here we are in 2023 talking 2023 about the same, same thing and, and it's still going on behind closed yeah. doors yeah. it's still going on so just, I was just wanted to make well done. Well, well said. You're, you're yeah. a very, you're a very wise woman, and we always love chatting to you. And how is? Uh, are you all set for Christmas? What are your plans for Christmas on Bear oh, Island? My plans for Christmas, I'm afraid, it's just going to be myself and my son because my daughter is pregnant and she's staying in Cork. Okay, all right. And when is when, <laughs> I, when I is would baby? She didn't come home. Yeah. Because <laughs> being on Bear Island, you just never know. There might be you. You know. And when is so baby due? The baby is due in March. Okay, all right. Yeah. She's at that so stage. I, I, I would rather she stay possible. Okay. All right. Well, you, you'll have fun and just with your Patricia, son. could I just give a shout out as well to the wonderful Katrina Toomey and the work she does this time of the year. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's, Cork she's Penny a, Dinners. A, she's a marvellous lady. She really is. Yeah, uh, actually, you know. I, we, we, I haven't spoken with her a while. We might get her on because she's always great. What they do on Christmas Day oh is, my in, is God. incredible. Like, it's incredible. It is. It yeah. is, and the story of how she became, you know, how she got there. To her dad. To her dad and dad, yeah. like, you know, it's yeah. a wonderful story. Good people, well. good people. Oh, good people. Yeah. Listen, you mind so, yourself and have a great Christmas right. if I don't talk to you before I then. Too, Patricia, God bless. Your family. God bless. Okay. Take care. That is the lovely uh, Eileen out on uh, Bear Island. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul's taking your calls. We are looking for your gardening questions, please, because it is that time of the week. Uh, Peter Dowdle will be joining us answering all of your gardening questions. So if you got a gardening question can you get it into us now and can I give a, a really big quick uh, shout out because I've had these two books and I've been bringing them into studio uh, every day uh, this week and I just run out of time to mention it uh, one is a book of Donnerail Memories it was officially launched it was Marty Mar- Morrissey launched it last week and it's Donnerail Memories uh, 2023 and it is the most wonderful collection of photographs if you ever lived in Donnerail or had a family member in Donnerail or went to school in Donnerail 
Donnerell. You will spend hours pouring through the photographs in this book and well done. It was put together by the Donnerell Area uh, Memories uh, Committee and the amount of work they've put into it is, is really incredible and I know that book is on sale locally so it'll make a lovely Christmas present particularly if you've got family members living abroad it would be lovely to post them a copy of that book and I also want to wish the best of luck to everybody that was involved in the Fromoy Community Hospital Fundraising Committee. They've put a wonderful, wonderful uh, book together which is detailing everything that went on to do with the fundraising of the Fromoy Community Hospital, all of their fundraising, all the different things that happened uh, starting from 1983 right up to 2023 and again jam-packed full of photographs of all of the names of all the newspaper cuttings it's a terrific book and believe me the amount of work that went into that book as well and that is on sale uh, locally uh, as well and just uh, Tiger Donovan in Formoy I know is involved there but that's on sale locally that's Formoy Community Hospital fundraising uh, a, a limited uh, edition of as I say a lovely picture book and the same for Donnerill Donnerill Memories 2023 uh, good luck to everybody involved in that Peter Dowd of the Irish Gardener.com joining me on what is a lovely sunny afternoon where I am at the moment uh, good afternoon to you Peter didn't I tell you a couple of weeks ago that we were going to get a cold spell before Christmas? Oh, yeah, yeah, but it's but cold you can wrap up against. It's it's the wet weather we, is, we want to stop. And actually, talking of the cold uh, weather, Barry um, uh, has been on to say uh, he was hoping to cut the grass this afternoon, but now there's a frost forecast for tonight. Should he hold off because of the frost? Honestly, I wouldn't be too worried. I, I would hold off mowing the grass if it was physically, like if there was still a frost on it or if it was in any way frozen, I would leave well alone. But if there's a frost, I wouldn't cut it too too severely. I wouldn't cut it to its lowest level, but I wouldn't be scared about just trimming the top off it. No, I mean, it's, it's it, OK, it's cold to you and I, but to the grass, it's not really that cold. So, no, I wouldn't worry about cutting it. Cut away. OK, Nick has a garden full of fallen leaves. Can I just leave them or should he be raking them up? And if so, what do you do with them? I would say just leave them, yes, provided they're not on the lawn. I mean, if you if they're just falling on soil and on flower beds and things like that, just let nature do it. I mean, it's been doing it for millennia. So let let them just break down and let the soil microbes and earthworms and everything feed and, and work away and decompose the leaves. And it's the best soil conditioner you can get, Trish. I say if they're not on the lawn, because you don't want to leave them on the lawn because they'll just kind of lead to yellow and brown patches on the lawn. So if they're on your lawn, either with a rake or a garden blower or a vacuum, take them off the lawn. And just either put them into your compost bin or compost area, or you could even just spread them as a mulch just on top of on top of shrub shrub beds and flower beds, or even just into a couple of bags, couple of old sacks, and just sit. Really, there's nothing to do; just let them sit there for twelve months. Uh, and as I say, at the end of it, you have, uh, as the fella says, the best soil conditioner money can't buy. You know, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, just leave well alone unless they're on the lawn. OK, a letter that arrived. We love the handwritten letters from uh, Jack. Question, please, for uh, Peter. Uh, I am leaving dahlias in the ground over the winter this year. What should I do to protect them from a frost and cold weather? Is it some kind of cover or fleece? Would leaves simply do to protect them? Yes, leaves would do. because So you, you do, can get horticultural fleece, which is... Um, uh, it's it's a breathable material, Trish, which I would you encourage people, if you have frost tender plants out this winter or at the moment, to protect them with horticultural fleece. But the dahlias, you see, all the growth in the dahlias now will be underground. All, so it's the tuber you want to protect. 
So you're really just physically putting another layer on top to keep the frost off at, you know, a few inches of leaves or bark or any kind of organic matter will help to protect. But of course, the dahlia tubers, it's not so much the cold weather that bothers them in this country over the winter. It's the amount of rain we get uh, and no amount of leaves or fleece or anything will protect against that. So it's important that the soil they're in is well drained so that the tubers just don't just actually rot during the winter. But in terms of protecting them against the frost, yeah, just a physical layer of, of as say, leaves or mulch or anything like that will help. And Margaret in Douglas, hi. The daffodils I planted in September are peeping up already. I've covered them up with compost, but they're coming through again. I'm afraid that the frost will damage them. Advice, please. Nothing you can do. There's no advice I can give. They're doing their thing. Um, uh, the frost shouldn't, I'm going to say won't damage them, but shouldn't damage them. It never really does. Uh, that They're not susceptible to that kind of, to cold temperatures in that regard. But my own bulbs, which are, you know, planted for several years, are already not just poking up, but like some of them are completely up. And it's a bit of a worry because not just from a horticultural point of view, but for an ecological point of view, because... Um, they shouldn't be up. Uh, God knows when they're going to flower. Some of them could be in flower before Christmas. I don't know. Uh, I suspect most of this is due to the heat, the, the exceptional heat we had in September. It nearly hit mm. 30 degrees, if you remember, in September. So a lot of the, the tulips and daffodils, which have been in the ground for longer, you know, think it's spring already. I know they're in for a rude awakening. But that, that may just sound like a peculiarity, Trish, but that has a, a knock-on effect with insects that have, you know, uh, developed alongside them and relationships with them, they come out to pollinate, and the, you know the life cycles have, have have aligned with each other over the years. And if if when things are out of kilter, that has a knock on effect with with the insects and and with the pollinators. But in terms of of daffodils and that, um, in fact, I, I had a call myself this morning about a lady asking me, was it too late to plant daffodils and stuff? I said absolutely not. It's actually now when the temperatures are dropping that you want to. And I've been, I'm kind of blue in the face from saying this over the last few months on your program and other stretches. Just because bulbs are appearing earlier and earlier in supermarkets and things, nature hasn't changed. We still shouldn't be planting them till October, November. So even even if we had planted in September that they'd be coming up by now. So it's just something to bear in mind going forward because I, I think it's, these changes are obviously f- for the long term and that we're not going backwards on this, you know. Okay, uh, yeah, and, and it's been like, September, as you say, we did get a couple of really, really warm days. But even October, November, uh, this is really the first cold spell. It's It's been relatively mild. It's been very, very mild yeah. up to now. Yeah, this is the first cold spell and we're nearly into December. It's seasonal, but um, but yeah, the mild weather up to now has been, I don't know, hopefully we're not going to see it every year. Yeah. OK, Burr says, uh, advice please from Peter. What do I do with this year's begonias in order to be able to reuse them next year? Well, there's two types of begonias, firstly, Trish. So you have the fibrous rooted, which are really just grown as a, a as a one-year bedding plant, an annual. But I suspect she's probably talking about the tuberous forms, the tuberous begonias, which are, are perennial. Uh, as the name suggests, they, they, they grow from a tuber. So what you would do is once the, the, and I would say the last couple of nights would have done this, it would have killed off the flowers and, and very dramatically, what green fleshy leaves and flowers very dramatically overnight will go to just brown mush um, with the cold temperatures. So at that stage or now, even if they haven't, lift the tubers out of the ground, uh, re- let them dry out on a, on a kind of a shelf or on a seed tray for a day or two, wrap them in a bit of newspaper or even straw, anything like that, brown paper, just something dry uh, and, and store them somewhere cool and dry until planting out, I would say, next year in, in, in kind of February, early March. 
Okay, hi, uh, Peter. I'm just wondering, would you have advice for me, please? Not quite a gardening question strictly, but it is to do with my garden. My concrete yard and timber fencing has gone green. What would you suggest I treat it with and when will be the best time to treat it? I suppose the best time to treat it now, particularly in the yard, is now because it's it's probably going to be slippy. Um, the best thing to do when it's, it's on my to-do list for this weekend is get out there with a power hose if that's feasible just to, to physically remove it because of course it's done instantly um, if that's not feasible there is a product called I'm, I'm 99% sure that it's Algon I keep meaning to check this because it keeps coming up so I must check it but I'm fairly certain that Algon is the Irish one and it's organic uh, and which, whatever the correct name is I have used the Irish organic one which you'll get in any garden centre which I think is Algon and I have found it very, very good. So that's the one to get. You mix it with water, water it on, uh, brush it, light brush, and it just it, it, it'll kill it in no time at all and make it safe. Okay, Margaret wants to know is, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, solanum, is it hardy against frost? You're, yeah, solanum. It's, solanum. it's the climbing potato plant, yeah. Oh. Um, and it's a good question, actually, because it, will it be hardy this week? I would suspect yes, because I don't think it'll be cold enough for long enough. But particularly the white solanum, uh, you've the white and the blue forms, particularly the white form, it, it can be a bit more tender towards, but both can be tender towards the the frost. So it's a the answer to the question: Are they totally hardy to the frost? No, they're not. So they would need some form of protection. I wouldn't be rushing out with fleece during this week because I don't think it, as I say, it'll be cold enough. But if we were looking at a, 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 a lesser, lower temperatures for a protracted length of time, I would do something then, maybe cut them back and wrap them in fleece. OK, we'll leave it there. Listen, have a lovely week and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Very briefly, Trish, if you have two seconds, yeah. just to, I promised them I'd remind them for the hospice on, uh, I think it's next Tuesday, it's December the 5th, 6 o'clock, uh, sorry, 7.30, but doors open at 6 in um, Rochetown Park Hotel. But the fabulous Malcolm Kitt is giving a floral demonstration in aid of the hospice. That's next Tuesday. Contact the, the Marymount office. I'm sure they'll, they'll give you all the details. OK, thanks for that. Have a good week. Thanks, thanks Peter. That's Peter Dowdle, theirishgarda.com. That's where I've got to leave you for today. Uh, my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richard for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CM Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.